0: Welcome to the How Fitting podcast where you'll hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host Allison Haynes. Today I'm joined by Lucy Murray of Laluna. So welcome to the show Lucy.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is so lovely.
0: Yeah, thanks for joining. Um, For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who
1: you are and what you do? Yes, um, I feel very professional doing this. Um, (laughs) I am Lucy. I am an Irish gal. I moved to Australia uh, nearly three years ago now with my partner. Um, I am originally a nurse, but um, due to mental health reasons, I started sewing as a hobby as an outlet and that kind of started my journey into my love of fashion and creating clothes for people that will guarantee them to stand out from the crowd and feel good in um so I created my brand Luluna two and a half two and a bit years ago um so yeah I'm kind of a one gal brand um and all my processes are ethical and I try to do it in the best way for people and the planet
0: Awesome, yeah. And there's there's quite a lot in there that I want to ask more about. But let's kind of start yeah. at the beginning. So you don't have a background in fashion. So like, what brought like you said, you started sewing as a hobby, but like, why were you drawn to sewing? Maybe and and fashion and kind of what brought you to have an interest even beyond a hobby? Then in starting a business.
1: Yeah. So um, I was nursing when I had finished my graduation um I worked as a nurse on the wards um in a busy Dublin public hospital and I had a lot of stuff going on in my personal life so I was very stressed and I'm quite an anxious person um so I developed alopecia which is a mm-hmm. uh, loss of hair um it's an autoimmune disease
0: mm-hmm. so
1: I lost all my hair within 18 months I was completely bald all over my body and I was going to a psychotherapist um, and she recommended that I pick up a hobby and she kind of asked me what I enjoy, like what I enjoy outside of work and outside of my life, kind of, um, my busy life. And I said that I love, I really appreciate vintage fashion and reworked clothes and I would always be on Pinterest looking at girls and picking outfits for nights out. Um, So Judy, her name was, recommended that I get a sewing machine so I did that um not with big expectations to be honest I I just thought it was going to be like a a fad hobby I'd pick up for a few months and get Mm -hmm. bored of it um but I loved it as soon as I finished my first garment I think I put little ruffle sleeves on a men's shirt um, and did a few like cinched in the waist and things like that um uh, I got loads of good feedback on Instagram when I posted about it and yeah it just kind of went from there I was so excited to do something on my sewing machine and even though there was threads hanging out of the first garments I made <laughs> um, I was so excited I remember for my best friend's birthday I uh, bought a vintage skirt that was too big and too long so I took that in and took that up And I was so excited to post about it. I thought of like a little witty caption (laughs) Um, and yeah, it just kind of started from there. I was so excited to like premiere these new pieces that I had made um, with my hands. So yeah, it was just really cool. And I just fell in love with it then.
0: Yeah. And I feel like sewing is, is a relaxing hobby for so many people and um. There, there's almost like two types of people that I meet there's the people that hate sewing but they love yeah. designing like they're more of a stylist like curator designer yes, mind so yeah and then there's the people who like I got into fashion because I loved sewing
1: um oh, really? yeah
0: yeah like I've always been sewing like me and my best friend would like s- you know have um, sleepovers and we'd like sew for our dolls when we were like oh, seven years stop, old
1: that is so sweet
0: yeah so it's like you know, we love the making and the creating part of yeah.
1: it um, so rewarding as well like when mm-hmm. you make cool, you're like I made that from a blank canvas like it's very yeah. cool
0: yeah it, it really is um so did you did you have like even prior to sewing did you have like a very like distinct personal style that you were working in that you're like oh now I want to make clothes or was it really you wanted to sew and sew clothes with something to make
1: yeah exactly I wasn't like I was never a fashion fanatic um I'm not one of those girls that like loved fashion and um when I was younger growing up I wasn't very artsy either I didn't do art um for my final exams in school I did them in earlier years I did Mm -hmm. art in your earlier years and I actually did sewing in um school as well, but I didn't like it. I didn't have the time for it. I just I think I don't know, maybe I was too cool for it or something back then. <laughs> but um yeah, I sorry, what did you ask me? Um I asked
0: like did was it was your motivation to like start sewing clothes oh, yeah. because you loved clothes or because you loved the sewing?
1: Um, I love the sewing but I don't think there was anything else I would have made like I'm not really into interior design or um costumes like it would have mm-hmm. been things that I can use and that I can wear and like show off to people so mm-hmm. yeah it was always going to be clothes um yeah I loved going out and being like I made this top like ask me where mm-hmm. I got my top because I made it
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, and I that's... bought
1: like those um, vintage Vogue patterns um, mm-hmm. from the uh, sewing shops and stuff, which was so fun. You can do so much with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're a nurse in Dublin, you start sewing, um, but then you said you're in Australia. So how did you get to Australia? And then,
1: like, yeah. I,
0: I want to know, like, what. Uh, How did the transition from it being a hobby to it being a brand happen as well?
1: Yeah, so um, when I um, become a bit more in love with sewing, um, my mom, I think, actually recommended that I go back to college um, and there was no way I was going back to do a bachelor's degree because they're four or five years long and Mm -hmm. a lot of work. So um, I moved to a job in the community, minding um, sick babies and kids overnight in their homes. Mm. And I decided to go back to college. So I signed up for a year long diploma course in fashion design, um, which was in a college local to me. So I was able to balance then the hours. So I would have worked some night shifts and gone straight into college and vice versa. Now, not every day of the week, but Mm -hmm. it was tough going but at least I was off the wards um, and that definitely helped my stress levels as well because the wards are just such a stressful place to work in. I can Um, imagine
0: yeah and and was this during is this pre-COVID or during COVID yeah, too? It's
1: Pre-COVID, thankfully. Because yeah, um, <laughs> so be like I feel like a
0: whole nother level of stress on Yeah, like healthcare. I couldn't
1: imagine. I have so much respect for the nurses and doctors and healthcare workers working through all this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was April 2019 that I finished up college. And then I moved to Australia in June. I moved here with my boyfriend. Uh, we were always going to move here. As soon as we got together um, seven years ago, we said that we would move to Australia together at some point. So it came up that it was going to happen for us in June 2019. So I did the diploma, finished that in April, moved here in June. And then I started selling um, festival pieces and bikinis on Depop, uh, mm-hmm. which is like a selling platform for vintage and handmade clothes. um. So I started selling on that. And then I think I like made the official business and set up my own Instagram account in November 2019. So it's just over two years now. And yeah, it started with um, festival clothes and I love going to gigs and going out partying and stuff. So I wanted to make like cool outfits for festivals and swimwear because those fabrics are really versatile with those kind of things Mm um so I did that for a while and I got a lot of orders I think I sold like a hundred bikinis
0: which was amazing
1: um but then I took a keen interest in sustainability and climate change weighed on my shoulders a lot so I learned that the polyester fabrics that I was using in the swimwear and festival pieces were obviously causing issues for the planet because they're made from Mm -hmm. fossil fuels and they break down into microplastics in the oceans and so I wanted to shift away from them and challenge myself a little bit and move into streetwear and use only ethically sourced or organically grown garments and fabrics I mean
0: so mm-hmm. that
1: is when I did a rebranding. That would have been in, I think that was September 2020. Um, so that was during COVID. And yeah, it's been pretty good since then. Like my Instagram is going pretty consistently and TikTok is good. Um, so the rebranding went really well. And I'm really, really enjoying the clothes that I make now.
0: Nice. Yeah. So how did you kind of find that... It seems like you did some kind of experimenting on what your niche was and what the product type was and the materials. Um, where were you? Did you do any kind of strategic things to really define, like who is it that I want this brand to be, or was it more of a slow kind of natural evolution of of kind of the style of the brand, or like, um, yeah, was it also- did it come from you or was it like your followers or? or your customers that were giving you feedback on things? Or...
1: Um. Honestly, I don't think I knew what I wanted for the brand in the future. When I started, I was like, people like the festival clothes now, so I'm just going to go with that. Mm-hmm. So I did, but um, I'm a very, very indecisive person and it's very hard for me to settle on a decision. So I couldn't envision a certain look for my brand for a while um Mm. which is why I think you'd notice if you looked at my collections so my first streetwear collection after the rebranding in 2020 was a little bit more like basic not like yeah a little bit more basic clothes than I make now um Mm
0: -hmm. they're kind of
1: um block colors and white pieces whereas now I've developed into print design and um the clothes I would make now that bit more unique so I think even yeah I think growing I think just time helped me develop my aesthetic that I wanted and like being inspired by other brands that I appreciate and other things in the world that I enjoy um yeah I think I'm still developing as well Mm -hmm. I still think I need to um pick my niche genre of fabric of of fashion that I am and I was actually wondering yesterday because I was trying on clothes for a TikTok I was doing a styling video for um one of the pairs of pants that I make and I had an outfit on and I was like I don't know what kind of fashion this is like is it grunge (laughs) I don't like I don't know what style of clothing I have and I don't know if that sounds really stupid because I run a fashion brand like surely I should know what style they are but I actually just can't think of what kind of genre they are Mm -hmm. (laughs) which probably sounds really silly but maybe I'll ask my followers and see what they think
0: yeah that's good what do you think (laughs) um I'm not I mean I think streetwear fits because it is you know something that you're gonna wear yeah. every day um yeah it is a little bit grungy like it's not like hyper feminine you know with a bunch no. of ruffles and pastels and exactly but it's yeah. it's not like traditional it's not like tailored men's clothing either it's no. it's more fluid and fun and yeah it seems like very practical too so it's it's basic like easy pieces but not basic in terms of like I feel like they they have style they're not a black t-shirt and you know yeah yeah kind
1: of I get it. yeah thank you
0: yeah so and I don't think it's a problem to not uh be able to say oh it's this category and have it define That's that true. as long as there are other people you know <laughs> who who also appreciate the style even if it's creating be. kind of its new genre of style and fashion yeah.
1: That's true. And maybe and I suppose... You go. Yeah.
0: I, it's like maybe it depends on how you style the pieces too. Like, you know, whether it's the true. whole outfit together, whether it's like one piece kind of mixed with some pieces from a customer's wardrobe that are maybe, a, you know, can skew it one way or another.
1: Yes. Yeah. I absolutely love um, seeing different ways that my customers style it. I absolutely love getting customer photos from or on Instagram or TikTok um it just lights me up because I love seeing how everyone styles them all so differently and mm-hmm. they style them with pieces that I wouldn't have in my wardrobe like a girl um uh, a customer Georgia bought a dress from me a mini dress and she wore them with um knee-high white boots and it looked insane mm-hmm. um Georgia, <laughs> Work. yeah it looked so cool but they're something that I would never have in my wardrobe um mm-hmm. yeah it was very very cool
0: yeah I think that's the fun thing about fashion is you can have one piece that you know maybe has a statement in itself but then each person can kind of sees a different angle of it and shows a different angle of it by how they wear it too yes yeah,
1: yeah exactly and yeah it's it's so exciting to see isn't it
0: Mm-hmm, it is. So, yeah, slow and ethical fashion, then you kind of turn to with your more recent collections. So, like, what specifically, um, like, what parts of slow fashion or sustainable fashion or ethical fashion are most important to you and why because they can be very broad terms and and a lot of things so kind of what direction have you taken an interest in and and incorporated in your pieces
1: um it's actually interesting because I find in sustainability, um, not just talking about the fashion world, but I find in sustainability, there are so many different sectors of it. So Mm -hmm. you could be, um, sustainable when thinking about the animals. So you could be vegan or vegetarian, um, or you could fight against plastic and use no single use plastic or disposable, um, items, or you could focus on, the people that made the things that you use or the things that you wear. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many different sectors of it. So I find it interesting. I feel like in my day to day life, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades. I'm not mm-hmm. 100% vegan yet. There's definitely plastic items, like I have a bag of popcorn on my desk now um you know there's definitely things that i need to improve on in all sectors but when it comes to my brand i think the most important thing to me is 100% the people that make um mm-hmm. fashion and the people involved in my production line um so i would always ask any manufacturers or fabric um suppliers for their certificates um or videos of their um factories and stuff mm-hmm. i also learned though that you also in that production line you need to learn about the farmers that are creating your cotton and things like that so there's definitely things that i need to still learn um but yeah i think to me the most important thing is the people that make your clothes and the people involved because the stories of the um manufacturers and the factories in bangladesh and india and indonesia it's just it's yeah it's just so sad um so i think that's what would i would connect with most
0: yeah yeah i love that and it is like no you know nobody no person in their personal life or brand is perfect you know yeah going completely plastic free in your whole life is very, very very difficult. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if it would be possible unless you literally like grew all your food yourself.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, you know, I think it's, it's the little steps that are going to add up to making a bigger impact that, you know, like one of the small, easy ways that we can like get rid of plastic or, you know, care care for the people in your production line as far as you can trace them because sometimes it's even it's it's hard to even know like who grew the cotton that is in this fabric you know it's
1: absolutely there yeah there isn't
0: um, a lot of transparency like there's there's becoming more transparency in the part of the supply chain of the like factory workers who are cutting and sewing garments but there's yeah. not nearly as much i feel in the tracing the textile side things
1: yeah and it's hard to think of um like I think I think there's so many things that you just don't think of at face value Mm -hmm. and like I don't know if you'd asked me three years ago like well what about the farmer I would have been like god I'd never think of that Um, (laughs) and it's like there's so many people involved in these processes which is why it's so important to think of every step but it's very Mm -hmm. hard like when you're learning yourself it's very very difficult to think of every step of the way if you don't know what every step is involved mm, um, mm-hmm. so yeah it's interesting and i think i think the fashion revolution movement is amazing um
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it is definitely opening up some people's eyes but it's still like oh, it's still very very problematic um yeah, it's frustrating, but I do think we're getting somewhere. It's just whether we're doing it fast enough.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. So for your brand, like now that you're using more sustainable materials and moving away from plastic and petroleum based, you know, because essentially polyester is plastic. Um, where, um, how have you found actually sourcing the materials and, um, like finding yeah finding the fabrics that you use because I know sourcing is a huge a huge hurdle for so many designers yeah. and then to you know source sustainably is even more of a challenge
1: yeah it's funny you asked that because I'm actually creating a new collection at the moment and I'm looking for a very particular <clears throat> very particular type of fabric mm-hmm. and um I have messaged all of these um it's funny like today's technology is so funny you message most like any lots of um manufacturers in bali you whatsapp them mm-hmm. which feels so informal but informal but, um, yeah it's just funny you can't really call them they just advise you to whatsapp them but i've messaged loads i've sent loads of emails to different factories for, to look for this particular type of fabric and um one came back to me they are like no we don't have this but we have a polyester very similar and I'm like no that's the point like I don't want polyester mm-hmm. it's just like it's so it would it is and it would be so easy for me to just say like oh yeah, screw it I'll just use polyester um mm-hmm. you know it would like my life would be so much easier and you know, I could potentially be making so much more money if I went down the route of not caring about where my clothes are made or sorry, where my fabrics are made, or where um the crops are grown, or who's involved, or you know, if I u- wanted to use polyester or nylon, like my life would be so much easier because they're so much more accessible mm-hmm. and they're cheaper than um organic or sustainable fabrics. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's rewarding when I find it. And then when I see the pieces come together and I can proudly say like, these are all made by me. They're all sustainably grown. Um, you know, I got sweatshirts made recently um, by a family run business in Indonesia, which was amazing. Um, nice. And it ended up a lot more expensive than if I had just gone to Bangladesh and chosen a random um, manufacturer without asking but it's so much more rewarding and I just feel like and I got photos of them being made it was just really exciting to see that it's possible and it's obviously absolutely possible for these things to be made with no malice or no negligence involved it's just mm-hmm. you know it's so much easier <laughs> to do it with the bad processes because you just turn a blind eye and you end up with cheaper faster products um but that's Mm -hmm. the whole thing about sustainability you have to be patient and you have to put the work in to Mm. get it in a well-made process
0: yeah definitely so you mentioned like you sew some of the pieces yourself and then you also talked about like working with the factory so have you done both then or you're still doing both
1: um so I have been making all of the garments myself but um and which is very exciting I actually don't have the capacity to make everything myself anymore which is <laughs> amazing a good problem yeah. To have. Yeah. yeah I know um so really exciting I have um, been using a seamstress a freelance seamstress um, who lives near me Um, she helps me making some of the orders um, and her quality is just as good as mine even better probably because she's got more years experience than me
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so that's been really helpful and then um, so yeah most of the garments will be made by me or Annie my seamstress and then things like the sweatshirts that I got made in indonesia um i post on my website that they've been made in indonesia i'm completely transparent about my production line um but yeah i think i think the production in places like indonesia or um you know manufacturers that will be further down the line if i need it um you know full time but still Mm -hmm. now i can facilitate having the garments made to order um, by myself or Annie. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. So the sweatshirts are made in a factory and then the other pieces are made to order by you in the seamstress. Yeah. yeah. I That's-
1: wanted the sweatshirts made because I wouldn't be able to... There's a certain type of quality to sweatshirts that you need to uphold. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's different types of finishes on if you look at your sweatshirt, like there's just different kind of finishings and I don't think that I would be able to make that on my domestic machines. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, and I wanted about 50 of them made. So I got them made in bulk and now I have them at home ready to ship.
0: Nice. Yeah, and is, part, is the made to order also kind of part of this your sustainability efforts of not like producing too much excess Yeah, inventory?
1: 100% yeah um so I order fabric um kind of every month or so and I order it to facilitate maybe 10 or 15 garments of each fabric that it will be used um Mm -hmm. so yeah I don't make them in bulk because it's very hard to know what sizes to make like for the Mm -hmm. getting this made I was like do I get more of one size and less of one other or do I get them all in equal sizes? Um, Like I really was clueless and I actually ended up realizing that I should have ordered different sizes for the (laughs) sweatshirt Um, because obviously there's a most popular size. I think maybe a medium or 10 to 14 would be my most popular size. Um, Mm. But I just wouldn't be confident enough to go making all of these sizes um to have them ready to buy so Mm. i yeah made to order and people are very understanding i think because they're well made and they're made in sustainable um processes and sorry i'm losing my words (laughs) and they're made well and they're made they you know the production line is very the way exactly so people are very patient with that And yeah, the made-to-order works so far, um, but we'll see where that takes us. Maybe in a few years, I'll need to go down the production route, um, which is exciting. But right now, made-to-order works pretty well.
0: Mm -hmm. Nice. So with sizing, um, like what size range do you offer? Like do you offer a wide size, like a whole bunch of sizes or fairly limited Range.
1: Um, I think I I'd like to think mine is quite a wide variety I offer UK six uh, which is the same as Australian sizes so UK or Australian six to 24 Um, I don't know what size that is in American that yes is... I'm not quite sure either but that still seems like a pretty
0: um, big size range too so that's awesome yeah yeah yes. and it does make it made to order is definitely an easier option when you want to make a lot of sizes, but then again, like you said, you don't know exactly, you know, you've got eight, 10, 12, who knows how many, you know, some brands have sizes. Exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't want to make like 10 of each and then
1: them go to waste. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Then you try to sell them off so that they're not going to waste and you end up losing money on how cheap you have to sell them for. So yeah, it's definitely made to order. Um, Mm -hmm best for me and i still see like loads of brands that are much bigger than me still using a make to order process mm-hmm. which is amazing and um, they just obviously have employed and um, more team members which is a really exciting prospect for me And um, so yeah hopefully that will be a- something i'll be able to stick to for a long time i just yeah. need more team, mm-hmm. <laughs> team
0: yep more more people to sew the pieces
1: mm. cool.
0: So with your latest collection, like also on the sizing, like I know your fruit salad collection is um, a unisex collection. So I'm curious as a pattern maker, and I like uh, I'm always interested in fit, like as you were designing pieces and figuring out what sizes you wanted to do, um, what things did you consider to make these pieces fit a, a range of different bodies and sizes?
1: Um, so I actually, yeah, I, and because I haven't done menswear and I was a bit worried about the unisex aspect of it being a bit confusing, um, but it's actually not that much of a difference. You just, because the pieces that I'm making, they're not form fitting, like the pants and the shorts that I have that are unisex. Mm -hmm they're quite wide legged, um, and they're high-waisted. So I was just sure to, um, outline on the product descriptions that they're high-waisted. I put all the measurements in, I have a male and a female, um, size chart on my website as well. And I have photos, uh, from the photo shoot of the pictures on a male and, or masculine and feminine model. Mm -hmm. So, um, I yeah, and I've had a few male orders, which is amazing. Um, and I was so excited to get my first one. So yeah, the fit, I've asked for feedback, and the fit is really good for both kind of bodies. Um, I think you just have to be open about all the measurements and make sure that they're not form-fitting, obviously, because female and male hips are different. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I actually love the conversation about. Kind of unisex or genderless fashion because creating this collection was really interesting to me to actually realize that it has been it's completely society that has created the idea of the concept of male or female or masculine feminine fashion and um, mm. you know I I think in future I'll label it as genderless fashion because like who says that a dress is for a girl or for Mm -hmm. a woman? Um so I think I'll label it as genderless just to say that everyone I want everyone and anyone to be comfortable wearing my pieces and you know I'm not just making these for women um to wear out going to a party in a dress like anyone can wear it at any time of day and same goes for like the shorts they are completely flexible between masculine or feminine form um, and I think everyone looks good in them so yeah I just find the kind of unisex genderless fashion interesting
0: yeah yeah definitely and that's fascinating I think that's like a really smart approach though what you did of like thinking about how are these silhouettes you know they're they're not form fitted or you know around the hips or you
1: know so it's it's
0: it's really then I guess for pants like picking your waist size and and looking a little bit at the length too maybe
1: um and it's all about how you advertise them or how you market them like my Mm -hmm. photo shoot obviously had a masculine and a feminine form modeling them Mm -hmm. now to be fair I didn't put the I didn't have enough um I actually was very last minute for that photo shoot. So I actually didn't have enough dresses in the masculine sizes, um, in my masculine model size, because um I didn't have time to make them. So mm. I didn't have Gussie the model in the dresses. Um, so that was a shame, but like I have another I love the crop tops I'm always a fan of a crop top so I have another crop top launching in my next collection and I think it's all about marketing like who says a crop top is for women so I'll
0: mm-hmm. definitely
1: have um lots of different bodies modeling my new collection and just saying like anyone can wear these um you know there's no limit to who wears a crop top or a
0: yeah, yeah. And then just putting the measurements for what they are. Yeah. I think Maybe with yeah. genderless fashion, the sizing does get confusing to, to people. But if you have, like, since you have all the measurements there, people can look at that and be like, oh, yeah, this size would fit me.
1: Yeah, so exactly. That's,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's a smart way to do it. So you're working on a new collection or can you share a little bit about what we will see from it or what has inspired your upcoming collection?
1: Um, yeah, I don't have that much to tell you. Um, I've designed the prints, so I'm waiting on fabric samples of that, which is really exciting. yeah. It's also very nerve-wracking because the fabric printers that I use are in Indonesia. I have a lot of production done in Bali and in Indonesia. Um, so it's quite frustrating if the fabric sample I get isn't perfect. I have to mm-hmm. go back and forth and fix the print and then try and get another one. And my last one of the checkered print of orange and lilac colors it took so long to get the colors exactly how I wanted them Mm -hmm. Um, because I don't have the color cards that tells me because looking at the colors on a screen is very different to looking at them on fabric It is, yeah and I don't have the Pantone color cards um as an indicator. So makes it very difficult for me. And um, there's a lot of back and forth and waiting on shipping each time is like a week. So I'm really hoping these fabric samples are good. Mm-hmm. And then I am going to see my pattern cutter um, on Monday. She lives near me. and um, So I'll bring her the designs and she'll draft up the patterns for me to cut out in fabric and make the samples. Then we'll go through the sampling process on a model. Um, and make any alterations and then I'll have to have more fabric ordered and make the samples for the photo shoot and then organize the photo shoot and then organize the website and the launch strategy. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot isn't it? Uh, yeah I'm hoping for May but I think May is probably or oh, maybe the end of May and um, but yeah that feels a little bit close to be launching but I'm staying hopeful um yeah so I'm hoping to be launching it in May I don't have a name for the collection yet um I think I'll come up with that shortly but it's just inspired by I was trying to create the prints um last month and I just couldn't I was having like a very blocked head trying to create so I then went to a festival and I had a great time and came home and I was just really inspired and I just kind of started drawing prints I don't really know what the inspiration was and just yeah having a good time at a festival I suppose.
0: (laughs) I mean that's an inspiration like yeah I think as designers sometimes we have to like get out of our you know, the same things exactly. we're looking at all the time and just like yeah. meet some you new people or some see something veins. new. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like change Absolutely. of
0: environment in some way yeah. to just further creativity.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Cool. So you draw the prints yourself then? All like all the textiles.
1: Um yes, I um I learned a little bit about um using the Adobe software in college, but I'm trying to teach myself still. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm not very good at drawing. I couldn't draw anything detailed. Um, Lots of my drawings would be very line based. And yeah, so I'm trying to be confident in creating prints. um, And yeah, I'm kind of learning along the way while I do that as well. I'm kind of just Mm -hmm. winging it the whole time, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, so... Are you
0: still uh, working as a nurse or are you working on Luluna full-time now?
1: No, I'm not full-time yet. Um, I do have a part-time job as a nurse. I actually worked in hotel quarantine for the length of COVID, which was very interesting. Um, (laughs) And so I'm not back in the hospitals um, and I don't think I will be back in the hospitals. I'm hoping to take Luluna full-time this year. Um, and slowly decrease my hours as a nurse which is very exciting and very very hopeful on that happening this year and yeah it's just about like balancing my life and like Mm -hmm. you know I obviously have to well yeah I suppose sorry ignore that point
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean you, you you're
1: doing so much though, like for
0: even you know having, like I was gonna say before I I had asked that like you're doing you're doing a lot like running a business and doing all these pieces, but then you're also working part time as a nurse, so that's even more. So like I'm impressed. At, like yeah, how I much... have a lot
1: going on, I have um I'm essentially working like three or four jobs at the moment because oh. I'm creating two different nursing jobs and then I run Luluna and then I'm also teaching sewing in a studio and oh. um, which I absolutely love yeah so that is yeah it, it's a lot a lot of balls in the air at the moment um but I am loving it it's exciting and it keeps me on my toes
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I'm curious with All these things going on, like you started sewing as like a a relaxing, like low stress hobby. Is it still that for you? And I ask that because I I feel like sometimes when our hobbies become our career, it kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. And so, how has that been for you?
1: Um. Yeah, I actually just had this conversation with a friend last night. I haven't sewn anything for myself in like. Oh, no, that's a lie. I made a costume for the festival that I went to, which was really fun. But like I did it within an hour. I was so rushed because I just don't have the time.
0: Mm-hmm. I have a
1: lump. I have a pile of clothes on the floor um, in my studio of clothes that I need to alter, that I bought in vintage mm-hmm. shops that <laughs> I want to wear for myself. I just don't have the time. And um, so, yeah, it's it's pretty annoying that I don't have the time to do that for myself, but it doesn't take away my love of sewing. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll be downstairs just sitting on the couch on. I know I need to come upstairs and finish an order. And I'm like, oh, I'm just tired. I want to stay here. But then by the time like I'm half halfway into the sewing project that I got up for, I'm like, this is why I do it like I love it I Mm -hmm. you know you kind of forget the love you have for it sometimes because Mm -hmm. it is your job but I suppose that makes my job easier because like I'll just be listening to a podcast and I'm making you know I'm sewing clothes for people which is so I feel so lucky to be able to do that and it's Mm -hmm. so cool it's completely different to working on the wards so yeah I feel very lucky to call this my job
0: yeah. I feel the same way. I, I feel like your, your office would probably looks similar to mine. You were mentioning like, oh, here's a stack of clothes I want to alter, like make for myself, but then I don't it's have time to get that. through the stack very often. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm the same way where sometimes I'm like, I don't want to do more work like things after I'm yeah. working all day, but then yeah, and my husband will be like, why, why do you work so much? I'm like, because I really like my job. Like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is yeah. fun, you know, um, like Absolutely. I enjoy doing this. It doesn't it doesn't drain me. Like,
1: yeah, some yeah people like
0: it. work to live and then other people like live to work.
1: Yes, exactly. That's the goal.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. So what has been one of the biggest challenges so far in running your brand?
1: Um I learned a lot about marketing in the last few months um and I really don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it. Um I think there is so much more to marketing than creating ads like I thought Mm -hmm. marketing was like thinking of slogans and thinking of ads to put on billboards but like there's so much more to advertising like retargeting campaigns and like finding your target audience online and then like using the results from that ad to retarget more people that look like your audience and Mm -hmm. I don't know it's a minefield to me and so I have a very very good friend helping me with that Um, she's been amazing in teaching me and helping me with my marketing which is something that I'm so grateful for because I don't have to do it myself now mm-hmm. um, and then I think just the juggling I think just like getting home from a nursing shift and I can't relax like I think any small business owner or creative um, will understand or so many people understand if they have work outside of work um or you know they have to stay on late with work I think it's just so hard to allow yourself to relax like I mm-hmm. finished my to five and I'm like oh my god I have to go upstairs now and work on my business and like I love working on my business but I'm like I can't do this all like I can't do it all and um, yeah there still so, needs
0: to be boundaries
1: yeah I'm still grafting a lot and um yeah but I know like I do understand and I'm just telling myself it's that's the starting years of any business um you know you Mm -hmm. have to work hard to reap the rewards and you know I could my business could blow up tomorrow and then I could quit my nursing job so I know that's around the corner and yeah it's just about kind of having the motivation to work all the time Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm so yeah I think the juggling definitely and also like the accounting is very overwhelming to me like I'm a nurse I never (laughs) do money or maths or like any of that kind of thinking I don't have that brain so yeah a lot of like the businessy side of it is overwhelming but I'm learning every day and it's exciting to learn new things
0: yeah it seems like you're very very willing and like open to learning new things like even like learning more about sustainability and learning to sew again or learning to make clothes and learning how to like run a business like and I think that's such a great skill to have of kind of the openness to learn and the willingness to kind of jump into something that you don't fully understand yet and like know that you can figure it out along the way
1: yeah and if you don't like there are people that can help you, and you know if you're mm-hmm. successful all, you can just pay people to do it for you. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's my plan for a few years down the line. I'll have people working for me, and I won't have to worry about um, my marketing. And I just will be it will be in the back of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. So on the opposite side of things, what are you most proud of or excited about in running your brand?
1: Um, I think I absolutely love the design process. Like it's so I think it really picks at your adrenaline to be creating new stuff. Um, because you're kind of betting on something. It's like you're putting a bet on a horse race. You're creating this stuff, you're putting all this time, energy, and money into creating this new stuff that you actually have no idea if people are gonna like it or not. Mm-hmm. And you know, you put so much energy into it and you create the photo shoot and you spend all this money and no one has seen it yet but you just have to bet on yourself like you are the horse that you have to bet on um Mm. and you have to be confident because if you're not confident in yourself no one else will be um so yeah I love the designing and so I'm really excited to be creating again and yeah it's just and then like the reward of a launch going well um and people sending photos of them in your clothes like it's just so so cool mm-hmm. um it's like Christmas morning when you when you open
0: exactly. up like uh, samples or like see somebody
1: wearing your thing. yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's such a cool feeling um you know like I just create these things from a blank canvas um that I think look cool and there are people in the world that want to buy them and that want to wear them and you know there might be people in the world that my garment is their go-to piece and their wardrobe and I just think that's so bloody cool Mm
0: -hmm. it really is yeah that's so fun yeah um so the question I ask everyone at the end of the interview is if you could communicate one value to the world through the clothes you design what would it be
1: um just be yourself and be proud of who you are I think that's taken me a long time to learn but mm. yeah and it sounds very cliche but um yeah I just think if you don't bet on yourself no one else will and if you don't tell the world how fab you are no one will listen um mm-hmm. you need to have confidence in yourself and be weird <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it that's awesome
1: thank you well- this has been such a
0: cool conversation. Thank you for joining me. Uh, where can people find out more about Luluna online?
1: Um, yes. So my website is lulunadesign.com and my Instagram is luluna.design. Um, TikTok as well is lulunadesign.
0: Awesome. I will include links to those in the show notes so people can yeah, follow me see there. What you have there and stay tuned for your upcoming collection. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haines and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.